Hallelujah. We're going live at this time to Tuscaloosa. Amen. This is given first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. So the very faith, amen, that Jesus gave us, he's the author of our faith. I think the, um, uh, I think in one of the translations it says, who is the author and the finisher of our faith? But he's the very one that gave us the faith. Amen. And so, and he's the very one that finishes it. Praise God. So everything in between. Amen. Is Jesus. Should be Jesus. Praise God. For us, it's Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to take to the world and show the world. For, for he, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame. And he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him who endured, for, endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may grow weary, you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fading in your minds. Amen. And then the fourth verse says, You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. None of us is, has had to endure that, amen, to the point that Jesus had to. So um, thank God, amen, that we can just rest in him, amen, and what he's done for us. So I'm going to read here out of the Passion Translation, the same, some of the same verses. It's not quite as long out of the um, Passion, but I just wanted to read it. It puts a little passion in there. Amen. It says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound. I like the way the, the passion the puts it. Because, you know, some people have been wounded. Amen. Some, peop- some, some have been wounded by their own family members. Amen. Yeah. So it says, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. And the sin we so easily fall into. And, you know, when, when someone mentions the word sin, you know, you think of some grotesque sin, but, you know, sin's sin. Amen? Sin can be worry. Sin can be a lot of things. Uh, sin just means missing the mark. Jesus being the mark, you know, just missing the mark is all sin is. So um, it says, then when we be, um, so we must let go of every wound, let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. The path's already there and it's before us. So we look away from all the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us. See, he's the author of our faith. He, He birthed that faith in you. Amen. And who leads us forward into face perfection. Amen. His example is this, because his heart was focused. His, this is, this is example for us. His example, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Amen. He endured the ag- agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits 
exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So so consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed his own, their own souls. They, They opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. Amen. So, so we won't be worn down and cave in under life's pressures. You know, that's kind of what the, some people in the world are doing. Amen. <laughs> They're caving in under life's pressures. Uh, you know, uh, life just has a way because, uh, because of sin in the world. Amen. Sin in the earth that just to bring pressure uh, upon you and upon maybe what you believe, uh, pressure can come from all different areas. And um, so, you know, one place I was reading, it was talking about the hindrances, you know, and because uh, that can be pressures too. Uh, but there's many different hindr- hindrances to running your way, race, amen, and developing, uh, to keep you from developing your full potential. You know, that's what it's designed for, isn't it? For the, for the um, hindrances. Uh, one could be too many commitments in your life. You know, just think about these as I'm reading them off, you know. And uh, Holy Spirit's the one that ministers, amen. He can minister uh, to you and, and your heart. Um, too many commitments is one that keeps us from developing our potential and running our race, amen. Uh, letting other people control us. Amen. I know you, nobody in here does that. Let's other people control them. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes well-meaning people will say things, you know, not even realizing what, what they're saying, but we take it as condemnation, you know, and so condemnation would be an, a hindrance, amen, to keep us from fulfilling our full potential. So we have to recognize these things and know that they come from the enemy. They're not from God. Amen. Hallelujah. He's already given us everything. He's the source of our faith. Hallelujah. So um, how about um, not knowing how to say no? <laughs> I know everybody probably has had that problem at one time or another. Maybe you've practiced that and gotten better at it, but not knowing how to say no can keep you from fulfilling your full potential. So uh, we got to learn how to say no to the things that aren't a God thing. It can be a good thing, but is it, is, is it a God thing? Amen. And then um, getting overly involved in someone else's goals or visions. Is that the goal or vision God has for you? You know, or um, becoming entangled in someone else's problems. You know, I know uh, I'm meddling here, you know. (laughs) So, uh, you know, because this, I think this touches everybody, you know, at some point or another. And uh, Eric and I were talking the other day about how, you know, as pastors, um, and and if you're a matured believer, your, your goal, too, is to solve problems. You know, I know Pastor Pastor Michaels told you that you're a problem solver. So if you're a problem solver, you see a problem and that's what you want to do is you want to solve it. But, you know, we're not called to solve everyone's problems, especially if they're not asking. 
You know, <laughs> I know you've never done that. You know, tried to solve a problem when no one's asking you to solve the problem. So, and wow, how uh, frustrating can that be? Amen. So, um, so we're, all these things are, are just hindrances to keep us, keep our eyes off the goal, uh, our goals. Amen. And our vision, uh, is to only do what God's called us to do. Amen. Um, so we have to keep our eyes on the goal. Um, and I'm fully convinced, you know, that our family, our immediate family, because you have different families. We have our immediate family. We have our, uh, I call that our blood family. Then we have our church family. That can be our blood family too, the blood to Jesus. Amen. But, and then our work family. So we have different lev- different families in our life. So I'm fully convinced that um, our family is our training ground. Amen. Over the years, it's just, uh, I've come to, came to realize that our families are our training ground. Because if you can love your family unconditionally the way God, you know, loves you and loves other people, amen, there's nothing that you can't do. Amen. So we're, you know, even though our families, what's more precious to us than our, than our families, our blood families and our church families, you know, is we love them so much and we see things that they may not see, you know, and so, but you know, they'll get there, you know, God will help them. We're just to love them. Amen. And, uh, you know, when the opportunity's there, just, just direct them and steer them the right way, you know, uh, and be sensitive to Holy Spirit when He asks us, you know, to say this, then we'll say it. But there's been times, you know, uh, that I almost wanted to put a duck piece of duct tape over my mouth, you know, it's like, mm, nope, that's not, that's not for now, that now's not the time for that. So you just, um, be sensitive to Holy Spirit and His leading. And if He leads you to say something, say something. And if not, then just hold it back and say, Lord, and just pray for Him. Amen. That God show them. And you be an example. Amen. That what, what, what more could you do than just to be an example for them? Amen. So which is, I know I'm speaking to the choir here, you know, um, cause y'all are good examples to, to your family. Amen. Uh, so praise the Lord. Uh, we have a saying that we just stay in our lane. You know, sometimes we want to get off. We want to veer off to do this. You know, you see a fire over here and you want to go put it out, but just stay in your lane. Amen. Uh, Jesus was good at staying in his lane. He knew, he knew his calling. He knew what he's, his vision was, his goal was here. He endured such on the cross, you know, because he looked at the joy set before him. Amen. So he stayed in his lane, didn't he? Amen. So I just wanted to encourage you this morning to stay in your lane. Hallelujah. Run your race in your lane. Amen. Uh, and, and I didn't give the testimony. This is kind of changing the subject here real quick. I meant to do this first, but give a testimony. And I think maybe Pastor Michael has um, already mentioned this, uh, but we have a friend. Uh, actually, it's uh, Pastor Eric's friend. Uh, childhood friend, a distant cousin. And, um, but he called, I think in January and, uh, he said, you know, he said, um, he's hadn't stayed in touch for all these years. His name's Jeff. So pastor Michael may have told you 35 years. We've not heard from him. And so a dear friend, you know, uh, 
more more his friend than mine, but I mean, you know, I knew him in school and stuff. And uh, so, uh, but just kept in touch. You know how you do. Uh, you, you don't always keep in touch with people you went to school with. But we, um, so he called in January, in the first of January, and he said, um, he said, I got bad news. I got a bad report. He said, uh, I've been diagnosed with cancer, with liver cancer. And I think maybe back around May of last year, I think, is when it all started. And so he, uh, he said, you know, I, I'm, I've been away from God, you know, all these years I went as a child with my my grandparents to church, but I've not been in church all these years. So um, he said, you know, he said I'm I'm too young to to uh, pass away, and he said I, I have a lot more life to live, and I'm not ready. And he said, can you help me? Because he knew, you know, he'd heard and knew Eric was a pastor, and so um, Eric said, I sure can. He said, I believe I can help you. And so, um, you know, Jesus wants to help. Amen. Like she was reading, you know, we're just, we're just an extension of him. So we went down, he lives in Enterprise, Alabama. So we went down there and, uh, ministered to him not long after that. But, um, I, they had, he had done chemo and different things and nothing had helped. And the tumor had enlarged actually. And what's, what we found out, he found out later on, and he just told us about a month ago, was that uh, through all the testing and everything, he found out he doesn't have a gallbladder. And he never knew it. He never had his gallbladder removed. He was just born without one. And so um, I Googled, uh, uh, you know, what that can cause for a liver. And it said, your gallbladder, having no gallbladder can cause liver malfunctions, I believe is what it said. And so I thought, well, that could have been the very stem, you know, of it. He didn't know he didn't have a gallbladder. Whatever, it's from the enemy, we know that. But um, uh, it was actually in the, the uh, cancer was actually in the bile duct, and there's a big long name for it. But it started there at the top of the liver, there in the bile duct, and it, the tumor just grew. And it grew to a size that... Um, it was inoperable. There was no way because it wouldn't leave enough liver for him to survive. So, um, long story short, we went, uh, too late for that, but long story short, we, we, uh, went down there, uh, three different times and, um, just laid hands on him. And he was, um, he was really just like a blank sheet of paper because he didn't know anything. He'd not, um, you know, I, Sometimes that's a good thing if you're not tampered by religion, you know, because religion is not a pretty thing, is it? And so, and so, you know, he was just like a blank sheet of paper and he just soaked up everything, everything that we told him. You know, we showed him in the word and then always before we'd leave, we'd pray with him, lay hands on him. And, uh, so we, you know, say we're just, we're, we're representatives of Jesus and Jesus loves you and he wants you healed. This is not from God. He's not trying to teach you a lesson. Amen. And he wants you healed. And so we would just lay hands on him and pray for him. And then, then he would go back and have tests ran and, you know, like they do every three months, I think they just measure it, the tumor. And then in his blood, they would check the, um, I forgot the word they use, antigens in his blood. And uh, so everything's improving. He's went from 6,500 and the cancer level in his blood down to 1,100 last time they checked. 
praise God. And, and, uh, you know, and the, the tumor is shrinking and, uh, he's healthy looking, his colors come back and, uh, gained weight. Yes. Cause he had lost over 50 pounds. And so, um, God is so good. Amen. And there's, uh, people out there that, that need Jesus. They need the touch of Jesus. They need you. Amen. So, um, we're so excited and, uh, about what God's doing and what God's doing in you. Amen. Isn't that a good testimony? Yes. Yeah, he's told me, he said, uh, he said, you know, he told me, he said, you know, my, my parents, you know, never were churchgoers. I said, yeah, I, I knew that. He said, uh, and I remember his grandparents, they were just parents, uh, grandparents were really nice people. He said, but I did go with them like four or five times. And he said, uh, it, but as a small kid, so he'd had about six to ten hours of church in his life. Wow. Children's church age. Wow. So the only thing that had to be killed here with the blank page he was talking about was that I haven't been to church. I haven't done these things. Right. And now I'm in, I'm in big trouble. Chemo doesn't work. They can't remove the liver. There's nothing else for me to do. And uh, they were going to remove the liver at one time, but they said you had to have 30% to live. They measured the tumor, and he was going to have 28%. And he said, what do you want to do? So I guess I had no choice. I guess take the tumor out, which means you may or may not wake up from the surgery. And uh, that, that seemed to be his only option. This is before we had talked. And so he just, he just, uh, he went to have the tumor removed. Uh, at a little later date, and they went in there, took another <clears throat> x-ray or whatever the take of it, and then they said, uh, we got bad news. The tumor is growing aggressively, and you will no longer, you know, it's taking up more room there, and we cannot, uh, it's not operable, so we cannot take it out. There's wow. just nothing we can do there. And, uh, and it, it was it, it was kind of fun in some ways because, you know, I had to go back and I said, well, you know, we catch up after 35 years and, and then I left the house. I said, well, I'm gonna, before we go, we want to lay hands on you. He said, do what? I said, lay hands. He says, lay hands. And I thought, I hadn't done this in a while. And I said, uh, well, there's a scripture and that says the uh, believers lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. He said, oh, everything was, oh, because there was no, there was nothing, there was no filters. There was nothing in there to stop anything. And so he, and he trusts me. He said, so, so you're, you're the believer. And I said, uh-huh. He says, I guess I'd be the sick one. I says, there you go. And I said, and then what? He says, then I'm supposed to recover. I said, there you got it. He said, well, that sounds simple. And I said, so can I lay hands on you? He says, absolutely. So when we did that, I mean, it was, we just released the life of God into that and it began just to eradicate that, those cancer cells. And uh, so within three or four weeks, uh, that 6,500, uh, it's cancer activity down to 1,100. And this was, uh, it's, it's below that now. It just hasn't gone to have it checked. But uh, that's 84% reduction of, of cancer activity in his body in just three, three weeks. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Look what the power of God will do if it's not hindered. If it's not hindered. So we want to remove every, every kind of filter that we can. Um, uh, Michelle said we were going to call this run in your race. It could have been named a lot of things. Um, I would have called it probably finishing strong, but y'all have heard a few things about finishing strong here, hadn't you? Yeah. When we got here, 
with our little 65 mile jog from here to there. We went to the restroom and and I don't know about the ladies, but you men know there's right there in the bathroom. There's this, you know, it's on, it's on the wall about these, what is it, 13, 14, you know, points of, 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 what it, of what it looks like to finish strong. And so I was reading some of them, actually took a picture. I don't go in many bathrooms and take pictures, but I did take a picture of this one. <laughs> so if I preach this somewhere else, you know, I'll just, you know, I may give credit. Well, I probably won't give credit to Pastor Pillins, but it is, is, it is so uh, great for us to be here. Thank you, Pastor uh, Michael and Deborah, for allowing us to come to minister the word of God to the precious people here at River Church. You, you are our, we call our sister church. Yes. And your parents, uh, I mean, your parents, well, your spiritual parents uh, <clears throat> have been super great friends of ours and we just we just love them dearly. Our, pa, our past cross, Pastor Billings and I met in 1996 at a meeting. And we just kind of met. It was kind of like, um, Miss Melissa said, turn around and greet this morning. That's what happened in that meeting. They said, turn around and meet someone behind you, shake hands. And he was in front of me and he turned around and he says, I'm, I'm Michael Billings. And I said, I'm Eric West. And we've been, we've been that for us uh, since 1996. Yay. So <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for the journey that's taken us. I know it's the Holy Ghost arranged the whole thing. And I believe, uh, I, I believe that, uh, uh, I've been able to help him a whole lot. <laughs> no, quite, quite the other way around. So let's, let's get moving. I got some things I want to share with you this morning. And there's, there's different components to this. And, and so, you know, we kind of just have time for the headlines, but I want to talk about a what if. A what if. And so in a what if, you get to fill in some of the blanks. And you've, you've heard, you've heard in, uh, this example used before, uh, in different ways. So it's, it's not, it's not original, but the thing is, what if today, and say every day that I deposited $1,440 in your bank account. Do I have any takers today yeah. that I could put $1,440 in your bank account today and every day? Yes. Okay. How about, how about everybody at Grace Life Church? Amen. I heard that. Amen. Hello, Grace Life Church. And uh, so we're going <clears> to, <throat> but uh, uh, I want to throw this in here. I meant to tell you all because uh, Pastor Bill said we're supposed to be here Wednesday, you know, because of the uh, uh, take the Wednesday service. And then we had these uh, this bad weather day and it was just <clears throat> wisdom just to cancel it and people not be on the road. So and I said, he says, well, he said, I guess you just had to preach both sermons in it on, uh, on Sunday. And I said, so they like to get out at least by two or three, don't they? And uh, he said, uh, yeah, well, let me try that. But anyway, <laughs> but we're not going to try that. But I was thinking about a joke. Uh, uh, Michelle's brother, uh, y'all know Pastor Matt. He's been over here and he's ministered before. He sent me a, a little uh, joke yesterday. He talked about this guy who was, who was addicted to drinking uh, brake fluid. Oh. Yeah, really. Can you imagine that? Brake fluid. And they said, that's, and uh, he said, oh, it's no big deal. He said, I can stop whenever I want to. <laughs> so I, <clears throat> had two, we have two sermons in one day, but I, I can stop anytime I want to. Amen. Okay. So anyway, so you get $1,440 and I got every taker in the house on that. And uh, you can use it any way that you choose, however you prefer to use it. But there's just one catch. At the close of every day, your balance goes to zero. Y'all with me so far? $1,440. Uh, you have to use it all because you can't carry the balance forward the next day. You can't store it up. It just cancels back. But the very good news is the next day, I put $1,440 more in your account every day, seven days a week. Wow. So what, what would you do with it? What can you do with it? 
And uh, you say, well, are you going to do that? Well, actually, uh, actually, I'm not going to do that. I said, this is an example, but, but, uh, but, uh, but, 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 yeah, I know. But anyway, but the truth is what we have is we have in a 24 hour cycle, we have 1440 minutes every day. That's what we all have in common. We have different lives that look different. We go different places. Our vocations are different. You know, we have different personalities, but we all have something. We have, we have time is the pointing reference that we all have together is we have the same amount of time. And uh, it doesn't matter what your social status is, what your race is, where, where you live, what you drive. We all are measured in, in time. And so we're free to use this, uh, this any way that you want to. And, uh, but you have to remember the, the, this 1440 minutes, you're credited it with it every day, but you can't store it up. At the end of the day, it's gone. So how did you use it? So someone did some estimating. This is not totally accurate because it would determine what the age of life is. This is not what we, what our beliefs are, but uh, the Bible says with long life, he'll satisfy us. But if you just were to go look at statistics in different countries, and especially in North America or Americans, you look at that, the, the, the average of the male and the female, and they have gone up through the years uh, to some degree. But this is using that as a measure. And, um, and, and so this is kind of how time can go uh, for all of us. And so they did some estimating, which is approximate. And it says in a lifetime, most Americans will spend six months in a total lifetime. You'll, you know, you'll spend six months sitting at stoplights. Is that conceivable? You can see that. Six, six months of your life, you're just going to sit at stoplights. And a little bit more than that, probably, because some people, when it turns green, they don't recognize that. I think they're looking for a different shade of green, aqua. I don't know what they're waiting on. And there's some people will let you know that. If that's you, don't raise your hand. But anyway, they're doing the phone thing, you know. And then uh, uh, they said that we spent eight months opening up junk mail. One year looking for misplaced objects. I would have said about five on that, but anyway, but one you're looking for misplaced objects. Anyone ever misplaced something? And then you, you can't find it in the three, four. I mean, I, I mean, men are notorious for this, like a tool or whatever. You can't find it. Three months later, you're doing another job. You're digging for something else. You're not looking for that. Then you find the very tool that you need. You, you ladies might do it in the kitchen or somewhere else. And you're like, you know, I, I know I have this. You go buy, you go buy it again and again and again. And turns out you have plenty of <laughs> no one, just me. Okay. Well, just y'all pray for me. Okay. So uh, let's say we spend two years waiting on hold to talk to a human, to talk to a human. Isn't it funny that we live in America and it says if you're, you know, the, the, the number two choice is if you speak Spanish, hit number two. It should be one, right? If it's in America. But anyway, they say we spend five years waiting in line. I know uh, I, I was reading the post uh, from the Smiths. You know, I y'all went and saw was it the Blue Angels, whatever, and and you couldn't quite get there, so you had a distance. But there was there was a little bit of a waiting line. To, you know, there's a few people who wanted to be there, right? So there was a time for waiting. So five five years of your life will be just waiting in line. You spend six years of your life eating. I'm going to spend more than that. But anyway, six years of your life eating. 21 years of your life you'll spend watching television. Of your life watching television. Approximately a third of your life, of course, is in sleeping or resting. 
And so you, you think about all the 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 things that it, which is part of life. In other words, you're going to shower, you're going to brush your teeth, going to comb your hair, you're going to do all this. You're going shopping, you're, going, you're cutting grass, you're killing weeds, you're doing all the things that's part of life. But it's not really the thing that he puts you here for, is it? In other words, everyone has a plan, everyone has a purpose. I just hope that God did not put me on the planet to kill Johnson grass. I mean, I mean, so, someone's got to do it, but I don't think that's, I mean, how, how many believe, uh, you just hope that's not what you're here for, is to kill weeds. And, and so it does take up part of our time. And so knowing all that, then we should spend the days that we have uh, by having priorities, shouldn't we? People have different values. And so we, we make different choices because of that time. So knowing that we have a limited amount of time. So it, it said uh, this, uh, the one who did the research said, so if you're, if you're 35 day, if you're 35 years old, like me, plus a little bit, and you're hearing this of the segmented parts of time that we spend doing these things of life. If you're 35, you have and just so what we're just saying, okay, dude, dude, another day. This is what our assignment is. This is what our call is. This is because your vocation, I believe, many times should be your call. It doesn't have to be that way. It can be a part of it. But I mean, when we get all the incidentals done and we get to what we're here for, if you're 35 years old, you have 500 days left. Wow. Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. So what, what are we going to do with that? So it, it's, it's important that we value time, isn't it? That we live each day with a, with a purpose and, a, and an action and a plan. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 that we're supposed to redeem the time. Because the what? The days are evil. Well, we, we, we know that in the time that we're in. We're, we're in a time where... It, Prophecy is still being fulfilled. There's wars and rumors of war. There's pestilence. We went through all the things that we went through with, with COVID and all the things that's been going on. That's just Bible prophecy living its way out in our time. And so, but the Bible says we are supposed to recognize the time and then redeem it. In other words, we can buy, we can buy it back. We can, we, we can purchase time back in, in, in the sense of not in the natural way, but we can supernaturally. Because God created time, but He doesn't live by our time, does He? He knows our time. We, 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 he gave us a 24-hour cycle. Uh, to this, it's daylight here, but somewhere in the earth is dark. Someone's awake, someone's sleeping. So God gave us a 24-hour cycle. He gave us 365 days. He understands that He created it, but God doesn't live by that time. What is what is now time in heaven? Well, what, what is God time? Well, it's now. And tomorrow's now, and yesterday was now. So to God, everything is just right now. So, so you're so you're here today in perfect time, which is now time. So, one, you want to know what time it is? It's now. I'm looking at a, a clock, and it says 11:15. Hurry up here! And uh, but but I drank some brake fluid, so I can stop. So anyway, um, so we're going to talk about the values for just a moment. So, uh, how do we value time? Well, someone said to to realize the value of a year. Ask a student who just failed a grade. To realize the value of a month, just ask the mother who gave birth prematurely. It means something different to her, right? To realize the value of a week, ask a person who lives from paycheck to paycheck. To realize the value of a minute, ask the person who just missed the bus or airplane. I won't give that testimony, but anyway, the minute. 
to realize the value of a second, ask the person who avoided a terrible accident. Has that ever happened to anyone? Yeah. I mean, it was that close. When I used to ride motorcycles, I just, you know, I was an avid motorcycle rider and I didn't ride with groups. Um, and, but I'm just saying, it's a side day. Everyone's got phones. They're looking, they're supposed to be driving, but they're looking down. And, and so I, I was always a very defensive driver. And especially when you come up to an intersection and, you know, and I got my lights on sometimes, you know, I'm blanking them and stuff like that. I'm, I, I'm pretending like they can't see me. Because, you know, if, if, a, if a car or a truck hits you and you're on a motorcycle, that, that it, well, it could hurt. But anyway, uh, so I, I was driving very defensively. And sometimes even that wasn't enough. So I changed, I, I changed my thinking on that. And I said, not only do they not see me, I think they do see me. And I think they're trying to hit me. So I drove that way, like they were purposely out to get me. And uh, I became so tired of doing all that, I just I sold the motorcycle. And uh, so the value of a second is that you missed the accident. The value of a hundredth of a second. What is the value of a hundredth of a second? I asked the person who won the silver instead of the gold. Oh, wow. The best of the best. The best of the best generally don't win by large margins, do they? I'm not really an avid basketball fan, but, you know, after football, it's like, oh, my gosh. So I, I, I watched my first Final Four th this weekend. Anyone ever watched the Final Four in a basketball? That was my first time to, to ever do that. And, um, and so, but, but you're watching, you know, supposedly the best of the best. And there were some very, very good players. And I guess Monday is the, I guess, the national championship of basketball. So whatever that means. But I'm just saying... The, the margins were so close. The, 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 the game last night was every possession mattered big time because the clock was ticking. Who's going to have the ball last? Well, who's going to have the ball last now? Right now it's in your hands. What are you going to do with it in this time? So we should never underestimate you know, the value of a year, a month, a day, or a second. We ought to make every day count because today doesn't matter. And we're all here by God's plan, by his desire, because he wanted a family. God wanted a family that he could love. And he planned us. He planned every one of our lives. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalms 139. It's just the, the whole chapter is amazing. And you read it in different translations, but it just said that God knew you before you was in your mother's womb. Yeah. You say, how? I have no idea. I have no idea. And if someone tells you they do, they're smoking something. I don't, I don't know what it is, but they do not know. How does God know you before you are? But he does. And he planned your birth. He planned your time. You, know, you didn't choose your parents. You, there's a lot of things we don't choose. And so God, you know, I, I tell the church sometimes I'm working on a series. Brother Hagin always used to say, don't preach anything until you've proved it out. Until you know you have scripture and you proved it out. Don't never he told us that many times when we was, at, when we was in Bible school. Never preach anything until you've proved it out in your own life. And so I'm not ready to preach this and bring it out, but I got this theory that I'm, that I believe I'm going to find scriptural basis for it. And I, and I, it looks like God knows everything. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get that message out because I'm still working on it. But I, I, I think I'm going to have solid evidence on that he can actually see the future. Okay, so if that sounds a little wild, y'all just forgive me for for coming out there. I'm I'm out of town, so I can do it. You know, I think I got I think I got a little freedom to say some things. I can't say anything that Pastor won't can't fix next week. So anyway, 
So he's given every one of you a very important calling, very unique. And, and when we come together like we are today corporately, ministering here and ministering uh, there at Grace Life Church and ministering in different parts of the world, your church, just like our church, takes these services and they go into a, an audio format. Uh, whether you realize that or not, it goes, some of you may be on SoundCloud and you'll hear these services, but they go over to over 30 countries. We've had people be responding to us now from different countries and uh, reaching out to us. And some have been listening. We, we, we've had people listen for two years, didn't even know it. When we started and we partnered with y'all last year for the church in Africa, hello, Pastor Sunday, y'all, um, at Grace Life Church International, and y'all blessed him so much. He showed me all the chairs that, that y'all helped buy, and, and he needed a door. Uh, he has, he's using his office right now, like for children's church, but didn't have a door, you know, from the noise and there to there. So he bought a door and the chairs and river church did all that. And so he, he texts me the picture and he says, he says, pastor Sunday, you a happy man. <laughs> and so he has all these people who are coming and walking to the church and, uh, and, and hearing the word of God. Just think about a church built from two churches, basically. From two churches during the year of COVID. <laughs> and the pastor, and he has a brand new church paid for, and he has a brand new home paid for. How do you do that? Well, but God, but God, but God, but God. So thank you all for your generosity to be such a blessing. And so we want to... We want to think about our callings and how they're, they're different, but to get together, corporately we come together and, you know, like your pastor said before, two's better than one. Yeah. There, there, there's a strength when we come together. When we put, when we put what God has in you, the Bible says that calls these graces or their endowments that He's endowed us with. He's, a, he's equipped us with something that we are to, you know, your calling is not for you per se, it's, it's for someone else. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes. The anointing is for someone else. Yes. I, I, uh, uh, Miss Melissa, she was reading from John G. Lake, which is pretty much my famous, I mean, that's I, I've read about everything John G. Lake. Well, maybe not read everything, but I'm an avid reader of John G. Lake. And there's others that I admire, but I've, I've just gleaned so much from his ministry. So there, I, I carry within me, like ministering to my friend, I saw in 35 years. I, I just, now don't take this the wrong way. This is a teaching moment if I can. It, it wasn't me, but in the sense, but I knew if we went down there, I could help him. Right. I, I knew we could. I just knew it could. And so I prayed, Lord, said, if you go, if you, if you go there, I'll heal him. I says, I'm not. So, you know, it was kind of a four-hour day. It was 145 miles, 145 miles back and four hours there. Catch up. And the last hour and a half, we ministered to him. And so all we were doing, we, we were just, in, in my consciousness, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me. Jesus did what he was supposed to do and said he was finished. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm retired. He said, I'm finished. And so now he lives in us. So there's a consciousness that's within me when I'm ministering to people. I'm not thinking about heaven. I'm thinking about the heaven in us. So when I'm laying hands on him, all I'm doing, all we're doing when you're ministering healing is you're just ministering life. And I knew the life in me was greater than the cancer in him. Yeah. I knew the life of Christ that was in me was greater than the tumor and I knew the life in me uh, the tumor couldn't survive Praise hmm? Praise so I'm, not I, I, I'm boasting of the Lord yes. and John G. Lake a lot of times what he'd do if you come to your healing rooms here's the deal if you're going to come you had to agree to come for 30 days 
30 days. You had to come be ministered to for 30 days. It didn't mean it would take 30 days. Sometimes you get it immediately. And John G. Lake said this. He said, I believe that I have the full measure of Christ in me, but yet to this moment I have not learned how to work with everything that I've been given. So, but here's what I have learned that every time I minister to you, I minister in life to you. So if I come and pray again, which is okay, some taught it's not good to pray faith twice. Well, we're not praying in the sense of it didn't work yesterday. We're just adding to what we did yesterday. You know, uh, they brick a house. So they put, they, they start at the bottom, the foundation, and they brick from the outside. They go up so many feet. They never start at the top, right? Can't do that. Then they knock off for the day. They come back on Tuesday, and what they do? They start where they where they left off. Maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks. After a while, the house is bricked. So when we go down there, we're, we're looking, you know, to hit a grand slam. But every time I'm going down, going down there, she she said, "What are we going to do?" I said, we're, "We're going down there to kill, to murder cancer." Huh? I, I could say it a nice way, but I mean, just like that's all we're looking to do. Why? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How dare the enemy thinks he has a right to invade the very temple of God? Yes. That ought to anger you. Yes, that ought to anger you. You ought to be just as mad as that as you are at sin. Yes. As much as if, if a snake were to come into your house and how aggressive you would be if it was going down to the hallway to, to where your child or your baby's in that room. Now, I don't like snakes. And I don't know the good one from the bad ones. I just know I feel better when they're all dead. And if that bothers some activist, I apologize to you. Well, not really, I don't. But anyway, so I, I've never had a conversation with snakes. Are you a good one or a bad one? Because I read about some of the one in Genesis, and I don't think it, the snake would tell you the truth. <laughs> so I just bring in both my friends. I says, capture him. And it's a huge friend, Smith and Weston. I bring him in. Bam, bam, bam. Dead. Problem solved. My wife said we were called to be problem solvers. <laughs> Amen. I don't have any remorse over it either. How about you? Not at all. We have to be willing to invest and to invest in yourself, to value these values that we're talking about, these people, you know, a year, a month, or a week, or a moment, or just a, just a you know, a one one-hundredth of a second, we measure things in time. So these things are called investments. You know, someone asked me one time, I was going to a meeting years ago, and they says, you're going where? And I said, so-and-so. They said, wow, that's a long trip. And how long are you going to be there? Tell them how long. I said, how much it cost to go to that seminar? I said, tell them. I says, do, do, do you think it's, it's worth it to spend that kind of money to go listen to that person? Well, the person was a billionaire. This was years and years ago. It was about something different. This person was a billionaire. And... And I bought a used copy of their autobiography for like $150. You said, what, for the library? No, one book. You ever heard of Peter Daniels? Yeah. So when, when he speaks, when he speaks about, you know, economics and other topics, they would, unless you've taken a vow of poverty, <laughs> then they would behoove you to listen. And he, when he comes to churches, always came to churches, uh, he would never receive an offering. Because he, he was giving. Now, he didn't come back over and over and over again, but he would, he'd be willing to come to a church at least the one time, but, but he came there to give. But he, what he would do is he would help people see things correctly. He would change their thinking. And so 
I bought this autobiography and, and it was it was really really good book and he has other things and you got some things on YouTube that you can watch but something they asked me do you think it's worth do you think it's worth the, the time and the money to go there and I said you, you asked the wrong question it's not is it worth it the question is am I am I worth it do you see the worth in you that you would spend the time and the effort and the money to invest in yourself. It's, it's funny that what we use money to protect, either by on purpose or by law. In other words, by law, you're supposed to have insurance on your automobiles. But the other reason that is that if there is an accident, you have coverage. You're supposed to have coverage on your home the contents of the home, it, uh, life insurance, uh, medical insurance, all these insurances that if what we hope never happens, happens, we have a ways and means to, to cover the expense of that. What kind of insurance do you have on your mind? Your life, your spirit, aren't you worth the investment? So it wasn't whether I was willing to spend a thousand or two thousand dollars to go to the conference. I believe that what I would receive would benefit me in such a way that I could benefit others in my calling. And I believe that that I and the people that I would minister to with that information was worth the investment. Well, coming here today, I thought about. Uh, I wrote this down yesterday. It says my path here today. And I was thinking about today, April third, two thousand twenty. It really started for me in 1990. That was the path. Won't get into the story, but in 1990s, where I really started the path to what I do right now. And uh, 92 went to Bible school, but 1990s was really started. So <clears throat> it was the preparation moment of me investing into myself, so that I could stand here and have the privilege to speak to you. It. So someone said, how long did it take you to prepare for this service? Well, 32 years. Wow. 30, 32 years is what it took for me to stand here. And um, so value is something very important. Just, if you looked it up in the dictionary, some of the, uh, it would say something like this. It says the monetary worth of something or the market price. Or it says value is consistent with respect to worth, excellence, usefulness, or importance. But we never actually ever access value to someone or to something that we don't respect. I mean, you can't receive from someone actually that you don't respect. It, 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 it doesn't matter what they're offering. It doesn't matter what their ability is to do. If we don't value or respect that person or that relationship, you'll, you'll never receive from them. Never receive from them. It's it, it just... When we came in, we had worship this morning. And whoever selected the music, it was all perfect. The atmosphere was wonderful. Uh, when Dr. Melissa came up here and she began to just edify us uh, in, in the Word about giving. I mean, it wasn't something she had to memorize. It wasn't something that she was like, I don't know about this, but, you know, I read this and y'all do what you want to with it, it, it was believable. She, she, she believed it. She was, she was taking the word of God. If it was, you know, it's not plagiarism. She took the word of God and she says, this is what I know. Let me share this with you. In other words, she was transmitting. 
and that, that's what a radio station does. does. They, they transmit a, a frequency to ways. And we're not here to do this this morning, but if we had a radio in here, we could pick up, you know, the country and western, God forbid, but we could also pick up rap, we could pick up R&B, we could pick up uh, Christian music, because the frequency of all these is coming right through this building. We just can't see the frequency. But we, but if we had a receiver, we could tune into it, couldn't we? Yes. So we, we, we allow certain things in, but we block other things out. We do that based on priorities and goals and values. So what you respect and who you respect is what you put value on. The Bible says esteem those who work or labor among you. You do that with your pastor. Remember the, the day that uh, a year or two ago when, you know, you all surprised him with pastor appreciation in this wonderful pulpit. And that was a very glorious day. And I was very, so much very proud of you all uh, for, for because there's so much value and worth so much value. I mean, you, you may not know this, uh, and, and I think that you do. And he, he, he talks a lot and ministers a lot about relationships. And there's not that much strength of that in the ministry. Uh, I, I hate to say that, that most pastors, they become almost, they're enclosed within their four walls. And they have friends, but they don't have friends, you know, that's it's kind of a come and go. We, we might have lunch with you or talk about lunch every two years. But your pastor puts a lot of value on relationships. Yes, you ever notice that? Yes. In other words, he felt like his call has always been. His call always has been. Since I met him when I came to Alabama was to strengthen the brethren. And then to strengthen other ministers. And, and, and he has, he's mastered it. He has mastered it. And so when you're, when you get to a place and you're like, you're not sure or you're just down, whatever, he, he'll come in there with the word and he'll come in ju just with a loving hand and just say, here, let me help you up. Let me help you up. You, you, you don't see all that. You don't know all that. And, and you know, they're gone this weekend. As Ms. Melissa said, they you know, they went to, to, uh, the surprise party for Steve Sampson. What a blessing he is to the body of Christ. Because he values him, he values the relationship. He's been on, he's been a lot to this ministry and to us. Yes. Because there's worth there. You'll always put value where you see worth. If if the bank, uh, I don't know what they call the machines. You ever seen them? Well, they go in there and they get the money in, and they just press the button, and you know the twenties come out. <laughs> we like to have one of those machines, <laughs> and they come stock it every day. Yes. Would it be worth something to you? I mean, where would you keep it? Outside the yard, uh, yard for the, the, the rain and everything, get to it, rust up all the parts? No, 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 no. We, we would put it somewhere, you know, very secure. I mean, somewhere, you know, that everybody can't see and know about it. No, it, it, it would have its own place. I mean, it might have a place that even Grant could, you know, can, you know, can't even get in that room. So, no, so it's because we would say, this man, this thing has some worth to me because we valued it. And so we need to have that kind of mindset. So it, may, it, may no, it makes no difference what the person is offering, what they can do if we don't value them. I mean, Jesus found that true in his own hometown. He went there to minister the word and said they were offended at him. He said he couldn't do much mighty work there. Well, he, uh, he got everyone healed that he ministered to, so he got 100%. He said he just didn't get to minister to everyone there because they were too offended to come. But if they came, they got, they got what they came for. I mean, he was batting a 1,000 to everyone who would come. And uh, I want to finish this morning with this. And that's, and that's that sometimes, and I don't know that you do this, but I know that I have done this in the past. Um, either in ministry or uh, 
we just say life, is that we're waiting for the moment. We're waiting for things to um, line up. We're, we're, we're waiting for everything to align itself perfectly before we go do things. Yes. Yes. Uh, some people are waiting till they uh, sense the anointing. Some people are waiting for the anointing to come and fall. We have all these songs that made this sound so glorious, but they're mostly unscriptural. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come, be here, fall upon us. We're, we're begging God to come. I don't know. I'm just kind of simple, kind of a country boy, but I read the Bible and I, I thought he was in us. Yes. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Right? Yes. The anointing's been taught that way so many times that, you know, he's, the anointing's here and you can minister for so long and then he lifts and he goes. I, I don't know. I just, I, I've always been the kind who's kind of inquisitive, you know, inquiring minds want to know. I always thought when he lifted and he went, anyone ever wondered where he went to? I mean, I mean, is, is, is it Chick-fil-A or is he, you know, is it Longhorns? I mean, he's going to the, to Lake Nickel. I mean, I mean, where is he at when he lifts? I don't know if he lifts as much as the person gets tired. Huh? You know, you, if you're gonna, we we learn things because we see things. Then we think that's the way it is. Uh, I, I've been in prayer lines and I've been ministered to, and there's, you know, I stood up and I could tell sometimes they want me to fall down. You know, they didn't tell me, but I, I knew they wanted me to fall down. I don't know. I guess it helped them feel better, like more, more powerful. Well, that, you know, and, and I've, I've been on both sides of that. I ministered to someone recently, and when I ministered to them, it was uh, very, uh, I, I sensed what they sensed. Or I don't know if all of it, but I sensed something. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it, well, it's an intoxicating feeling. The anointing can be. Yes. It's, it, it's a power. Yes. It comes in power. Well, she sensed it and I sensed it. And we were both kind of like, hello. <laughs> you know, and, uh, <clears throat> but if I can't stand up and minister to people, well, good am I? Well, pastor needs some help, but he's, he's down. No one's too strong. <laughs> no prayer in here today. Tell all the sick people go back to the cars. No one so strong on the floor. Well, what, 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 what do you do with that? I mean, do you do you lay on the floor with the pastor? You know, do you? I mean, what, what, what do you do? I need help, pastor. Get up. Oh, I can't get up. I'm. I mean, the anointing is so strong. Well, Jesus never fell down that way. You know, it said he ministered all, and they all were healed until he fell down. <laughs> so, uh, nothing wrong with that. And, and I have fallen down. And, and sometimes you say, "Well, why did you fall?" Well, it's because I couldn't stand up. Just, just to be real blunt with you. Well, there was times it was easier to fall than stand up. I remember one time, y'all remember Ed Dufresne? He's in heaven now. He ministered to me, and man, it was lights out for me. <laughs> the, the analogy that I have for that was it's not. I mean, it's not literal, but it's what it felt like. I felt a power go me from my hair to my toenails. 
And I feel like it blew out my toenail poof, when I was in Birmingham and I was out on the ground. And, uh, and I didn't know there some people, it was on a Sunday night and he came back, he was ministering to pastors and he went da 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 da. And there was like 75 across, you know, the line. And I was just, bam, I'm just out. And then some of my church folks, they said, told me I served the pastor. I, I bet you sure was blessed by that word he gave you. I said, who gave who gave a word? They said, it, it, uh, Brother DeFrank gave you a word. It says, he didn't give me no word. He said, oh, yeah, well, you was down on the ground. He said he ministered about, he, he left you because you went boom. And he went about three down the line, you know. And then uh, they said he turned back and come around and leaned over you and said, I see what that is. And then, and then he ministered to that, uh, the, the spirit. It says, leave him. Had to do with finances in, in, in the ministry. I didn't know he was ever talking to me. I mean, I'm on the ground like, you know, I'm holding a 220. Like, let, help me let go of this thing. <laughs> well, w w within a week, our, 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 our finances doubled. What? Wasn't nothing for me to know and receive. People had to tell me it happened. That was, that was worth my time to be at that service. Yeah. Well, the the anointing, First John two twenty seven. But the anointing which you have, which you receive from, it abides in you. Amen. Well, if it's going to abide in you, then we need to finish. If we're going to talk about finishing strong and running your race, the, we have the anointing to do it. So don't wait for the right feelings to emerge. And, and that's what people do. They're, they're like, you know, they're spiritual on Sunday morning, like a submarine. They they emerge and they show up. It's like. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of God? God. <laughs> you ever heard the way I say God? God. Yeah, remember Pastor Buzzy? He, used to, he said God. He said God. He said they said God so long like the head as long as a Shetland pony. God. Good to be in the house of God. And then the submarine goes down. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe comes next Sunday if they have time. <laughs> well, we have people who's not, who's not ready to go. Because they're waiting for a feeling, they're waiting for they're waiting for a word, uh, they're they're waiting to go to the next meeting. We got revival junkies. We got we got all these people who's waiting for a moment. We have all of these pro prophecies that we're just about to step into a time. I, well, we uh, I, I've been pastoring twenty seven years, and and we're, we're still just about to step there. I'm just I mean I, I'm just kind of like. When do we get there if we're just about to step into it? Right? How about we're here? How about the times right now? How about we're on Holy Ghost time? Woo, glory to God. The Lord said, if you get in your trunk and go down to Enterprise, he said, I'll, I'll get rid of that cancer. I says, let's go. Huh? I, I, I didn't have a feeling. I, I, I had a knowing. I had a knowing. Like John G. Lake, I have a, I, I have a consciousness with, uh, of God in me, that he's in me, that he, that he wants to transmit out of me. And I can just do it through the speaking of the word or the laying on of hands. So uh, leaders are finishers. That's what we are. All of you are leaders. Uh, we're, we're doing something uh, next weekend called a summit. And a summit, you know, could be where leaders come together and they talk about ideas. And that's what we're doing the next weekend. Well, we're, we're, we're having a summit here this morning. I, I feel like I'm with some of God's generals. 
generals. Not <clears throat> look. There's no there, there's no books in here. There's you know there's no there's no Gomer piles in here. <clears throat> some of y'all got some stripes, and my God, you earned them, <laughs> huh? It, it didn't all come easy, did it? I mean, no one said it was going to be easy. So finishers are leaders. Amen. It's easy to start anything. It's so easy to start anything. I, 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 I've been in business all my life, I guess. I mean, I, I went from, I moved here from Detroit when I was six. Started first grade here. And uh, thank God I'm in Alabama. Went from Detroit and uh, I just grew up on a farm, which is a lot different than Detroit. I was in the suburbs and like house to house. When I moved here, I never saw a dirt road. I didn't even know what a wasp was. But the second week I I was here, I found a wasp's nest, or they found me, and I was six. Then I knew where yellow jackets were. I remember moving to Alabama when we was living with my grandmother until we built a house, and and they pulled off the road, and we were all in the back of a 67 Ford station wagon. And, uh, you know, the station wagon would have the seat backwards. And the uh, AC was, you know, uh, 250, two windows down, going 50 miles an hour. But how many of those station wagons, they had a crank window in the back? And they was four of us back there. And uh, it turned off the road onto what, something I'd never saw, a dirt road. And I saw all this dust flying. Well, I've been in Detroit. I mean, everything's asphalt or concrete, right? And I said, what's What's this? And, and my mother said, what is it? I said, what's, what's all this? She says, dirt. I says, yeah, but what's all this in there? She says, it's dust. I mean, I, like, like Pastor Bell said, I, I didn't know. Come on from Sikkim. And then we drove up to my grandmother's house, and she was outside, and she had on a, a bonnet. Y'all know what a bonnet is? Yeah. They didn't have those in Detroit. <laughs> and she had on her dress, you know, about down to here. Yeah. And she was outside and had a clothesline. Yeah. yeah, well, you can see some of those in Detroit, but not a whole lot. And uh, when we pulled up, she went, she's waving. And there was my mom and dad and four kids. And she had a chicken. I think I've shared this story here before. She had a chicken on the clothesline upside down. Oh, wow. And I looked and I said, Who, Mom, who's that? She said, that's, that, that's, your, that's your grandmother. I said, it is? <laughs> and then she, had a, she took her, the knife and took his head and went. <sniffs> she left the chicken down and it, it ran this way and it ran that way headless. And uh, well, it turned out that was going to be our supper for the night. And I beg, please go back. Please can we go to Detroit? Please, we'll have pastrami tonight. I mean, well, you know, well, 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 well I mean, oh my gosh! And they're like, are we going to live the same house with that woman? <laughs> She's a murderer. <laughs> I mean, I, I could, and then uh, I was so happy because they had just got uh, plumbing in the house because the old outhouse was out there. That, that that would be a transition back in time to go from Detroit to an outhouse. And uh, so every now and then when we get in trouble, mother sent you out to the house. She said, you just go and think about what you did. And I was like, oh, I'm going to think fast. I'm going to think fast. <laughs> there wasn't any water. There wasn't hard enough water in those days. So they, you know, Granny still had the, you know, well, I mean, they, it had been connected, but she still had the bucket you could let down with the, with the wheel sprocket. And uh, so we all had to take baths in the same water. So I, I, you know, we drew straws and I never got to go first. You know, filthy siblings. You, you didn't want to be fourth. Well, I had a lot to be thankful for. Yes. And uh, 
So we have to finish this thing. No matter where you started, we have to finish. It's easy to start. It's easy to start a marriage. It's easy to start a business. It's easy to say, we're going to go do this. But when it, the going gets a little bit difficult, when the going gets a little bit hard, when people are saying, you can't do this, don't you understand? You don't have the education. Who would ever listen to you? Why do you think you? Then you have to get to the place that you have to know inside yourself. And the Bible says when you do that, confer with no one. Or in other words, it said, Paul said, when you know that you know, this is paraphrasing, when you know that you can know that you know, confer no longer with flesh and blood. No longer with flesh and blood. So we are in the earth's final hours. You all believe that? Yes. Everything is accelerating. It's giddy up time. The clock is ticking, but you're not late. You're in the spirit. You're on God time. So we, the spiritual temperature is right. So we can't wait as leaders to feel the moment. See, we are, we're, we are, we're, we are the thermostat. In other words, we, we reflect it. Whatever we are reflecting the Son, we are we are reflecting the Father. In other words, we don't go and say, "Well, what's the temperature here?" Or we're going to a service and say, "Well, we're looking for, you know, uh, I have to create an atmosphere before I can minister. I got to soak for forty-five minutes. I got to see. None of that works on the street. You you can't find sick people on the street and say, "I see you have great needs. We're going to help you, but we, if you'll stay right there, we we got to soak for thirty minutes." Well, I believe soaking to in his presence is wonderful. But that, that, that doesn't work on the street. That doesn't work, you know, with an old buddy who's been in church four times in their life, 10 hours totally. And then say, so we, we come down here to soak for a few minutes to see if we can get the anointing stirred up. He's already stirred. The anointing abides within you, which means he never leaves. He's always there. That helps you to know these things. Why? Because you know when I get there, he's there. You say, but I've never done that. I've never ministered to someone with cancer. It's inoperable. There's, I mean, they can't take the radiation. It, the, the tumor grew with radiation. Wow. I mean, it, it didn't shrink. He was, he was sick, 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 sick. And it actually, it was like fertilizer. It caused it to grow. So he had no more options but God, but God. So we don't wait for the moment because as leaders, we know what we have in us. And Satan's going to do everything he can to get you to stop. There'll be mental distractions and there'll be physical distractions. We all have both, mentally and physically. I can't right now because of this. Or I got this in front of me. Or I got this. Or I got a little catch in my get along right now. Or, you know, I, all these things that are limiting us that does not need to limit you. But for you to finish your course, you need to know that you're a finisher, but you have to have a consciousness within you all the time to be successful of, that Christ is in me. The, the anointing is here. It abides. It does not come. It does not go. In other words, it's, if you have the feelings, great, but you don't have to have the feelings to go forth. If, if you have all that, I think it's a wonderful thing to have the feelings. The feelings feel good. But see, that's carnality. That's not spirituality. The Bible says walk in the spirit and you won't feel the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is controlled by the spirit. Walking in the spirit is exactly that. The walk of the spirit. The, it, it, it's, it's his gifts. It's his, it, it's his callings. It's his power. It's his ability. 
when I walk in the flesh, I can't please God because all walking in the flesh is, is looking, is me dealing with my situation independent of him. That's what grace does for you. Grace empowers you to do and to be what you would never be without him. You say, well, I feel like, you know, I, I, I lost it. You know, I've made mistakes and I've, and, I've, and, I've, and I've lost my grip on God. It doesn't matter. His grip on you is bigger than your grip, grip ever was on him. You, you, you can't get out of his grip. You're in a great place. So Billy Sunday said this. Remember, uh, you, you remember the evangelist, missionary evangelist, Billy Sunday? He said, stopping at third base adds no more to the score than striking out. He said, it does not matter how well you start if you don't finish. Or we could be occupied with all the chatter and all the noise and Satan will come to distract you any way he wants to. But sometimes we've got to talk louder than the lies. Yeah. Talk louder than the lies. Okay, so I ran out of time, so I'm going to go. Uh, I, I read a story, a true story. Uh, I actually found this on, on um, uh, Facebook. And this was, uh, and I don't know the person, I don't even know how her, her she came up with my feed, but it said uh, uh, her, uh, she had a husband who passed, and he, he was a runner. I don't know, he was from the States, and his name was Doug. And uh, I read it this week, and it's a true story. Uh, and it said, uh, Doug was, she said, my husband ran many marathons. I think he passed in 06 or 08. She said, uh, the, uh, he ran many marathons, the 26.2, is that about right? The marathon. But he also ran ultra marathons, which I'd never heard of ultra marathons. And I guess they're not, she said 100 miles, but I guess there's other ones too that's not 100. But anyway, but she said he ran the 100 miles. She said he was the 47th fastest runner in North America at that time. In other words, he ran 100 miles in 19 hours and 20 minutes. Wow. wow. I mean, I'm sick to my stomach about thinking running 26. Wow. Can you, I mean, I mean, uh, that's more your world. I mean, I mean, I, and, and he, he finished 47th in, in North America. Is that good? That's good. Maybe that's why I died. I don't know. <laughs> she, she didn't say when he died. <laughs> he might have got his ribbon and like, bye. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I was getting more education. She said, often he ran uh, races with negative splits. I was like, what's a negative split? So I had, to, I had to do a little research. Meaning he ran the second half of the race faster than the first half. Usually it's the other way around because people get tired and they slow down towards the end. But the Bible says don't be weary and well-doing for in due season. In due season. Don't become weary. Don't wear out. Don't become frustrated. Don't become discouraged. Don't give up or give out because you, you're coming into a due time right now. It's now time. It's Holy Ghost time right now. It's due season. It's due season. I just want to encourage you to, to, go, to go further. Take the next step. So, some said, I can't run. Well, then walk. Some said, well, I can't walk. Well, then just scoot. Some said, I can't scoot. Well, we'll, we'll just push yourself forward. Just look. Do something that you could not do. I, I, I know something about pain. I, and, I, and I know something about how I got rid of it. You say, well, what do you need? Well, just new parts. That's all. Just nothing major. Just new parts. But until you, until you get the new parts... You feel the old ones. Ow. It, it's easy to sit down. 
I found out a few years ago I could get rid of ninety percent of my paint if I could just sit down. But but how, how do you run a race sitting down? Huh? <clears throat> so I refuse to yield to those things. I refuse to yield them because I I read a verse. <coughs> 1990, I was introduced to a verse in Mark 11, 23 and 24. And verse 24 says, Therefore, what things are I say unto you? Or so when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Y'all ever heard that verse? Yes. Brother Hagin wrote that verse. Said. I don't know if he did. I don't, I don't think he did. But they said he wrote the one above it too. It says, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, Whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou moved, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have, he shall have. She shall have, she shall have. They shall have, they shall have. Whatsoever they say. saith. So Jesus talked storms. It heard him. Jesus talked to withered hands that hurt him. Jesus talked to blind eyes that hurt him. I know that. I've got to see that myself. I have laid hands on my people myself who were blind and they saw. I've laid people on my um, hands who were deaf and didn't even have an eardrum. And the deaf ear heard and the other ear formed a new eardrum. I laid hands on my mother when she died in church. I'm six months into ministry. I don't know hardly anything. It took about 15, 20 minutes. And she was gone. But we just didn't have any quitting sense. Thank, and, it, and, and, and the gifts of the Spirit, they were involved. <coughs> Obviously they were involved. The gift of faith was involved. There was nothing for me to doubt. I, I couldn't doubt with the gift of faith. If you, ever, if you ever operate in the gift of faith, you'll love it. But it leaves you like, oh, wow, what happened to that? Wow. No, that's a bad one. That's a bad way to say that when it leaves. But I'm talking about the gift of special faith. I felt it tangibly come upon me. And then and it's about you know, 15, 20 minutes there. And, you know, there was no pulse. There was nothing. It just you couldn't find her eyeballs. She, she was gone. Color had changed. But we just kept on saying, you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. You shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I said, I, said, I resist you, devil. You're, you, 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 can't, you can't take her. You can't take her. You're not, you're not the one who chooses when she dies. She lives. She lives. She lives. She lives. I said, now, mother, live in the name of Jesus. 10, 15 minutes, nothing going on. And all of a sudden, boom, she comes back. Wow. Man, we had that testimony from her. You know, a letter rest that took her to the hospital. They knew she died, trying to figure out why she died. And came back and she said, she said I, I left the room, Eric. And she said, when I looked down, she said, I came. She said, I would say I came out of my mouth. I heard that before. And she said, I stopped at the, at the ceiling about like this. And she said, I looked down and she said, you was praying for me here. So-and-so was here. So-and-so was at my feet. This was on the other. She said, there was five of y'all. I said, that's right. Well, see, she's on her back. You go like this, you can't find no peoples. And this 15, 20 minutes goes on of you should live and not die. She said, I was going up to this glorious. She said, this, it was like a, a great, a, a glorious elevator, you might say. And she's the closer, the closer I got, the more glorious I got. And I got all the way to the top. And she said, I, I, I wasn't allowed to get up. She said, but I, I, could, I, I, I could see. And, I, and she said, I knew I was in heaven. And all of a sudden, I heard footsteps and coming toward me. And she said, and I saw these feet and I saw these sandals. And I saw this, this uh, uh, I guess, what you call it, a toga or a robe or whatever that Jesus wore. And she said, I saw this beautiful golden sash. And I knew it was Jesus. And she said, oh, Lord Jesus, I worship you. She says, thank you for letting me come he says you can't come she said oh lord jesus please let me 
Let me stay here. She, he said, I want to come. He says, you can't come. She says, but why? He said, because he's using my name. He's using my word. You'll have to go back. Now, I'm not talking about me. Listen. Listen at the power of the spoken word. You'll have to go back, even though you want to come to heaven, you'll have to go back because he's using my name. And she said, I began to fall and I began to descend. And I went back down and she said, I came through the roof, I came through the rafters. And she said, then I stopped the spirit, the spirit person. I stopped at the ceiling and she says, now y'all were still ministering. She says, you were in the same place. But now she was over here and then uh, Mr. So-and-so was here, Miss So-and-so here. And I had three, you know, I had doctor, I mean, I had nurses and a respiratory therapist and, you know, I, I, former paramedics. They, you know, they, they kind of knew their way around life and death. And they were all shaking their heads. There were no cell phones back then. You had to run, find a pay phone. <laughs> you know, and someone said, what's a pay phone? I was like, mm, ask after the service. We'll let you know. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> but... But what I'm saying is, she said, I'd say I went right back through my mouth. And then she woke up. Hmm. She finished her race. She, that, that happened, she was 63 years old. But she lived into her 80s. Wow. And I was with her when she left. And she said, I finished my race. I'm, I've been an intercessor all my life. I finished my race. She said, I'm telling you, there's some struggles ahead, but she says, but don't pay attention to them. She said, because she said, I'm telling you, I've already prayed over there. She said, it's glorious on the other side. It's glorious on the other side. She said, don't be discouraged, son. You keep going forward. You keep going forward. She said, because what's on the other side is glorious on the other side. I saw it and I've been up there and I saw it. I want to tell you, it's glorious. I said, I want to tell you, it's glorious. They'd be like to keep you on this side, looking at all the things that, that are in front of you to say, you can't, don't do this. It's not worth it. Take a break. Everyone's doing it. You don't have to be like everyone. You're called to be you. I'm called to be me. Together, when we come together, it's, it, it, it's amazing. So this is what that woman says. She said he ran negative splits. And so he had his greatest run, not at the beginning, but at the end. Whether he reserved some for the end, but how many think there was some training involved? Is there training involved to run 26 miles or 100? A little bit of training. <laughs> if you don't think so. <laughs> I'm 63 miles from home. Just follow me back. You know, I mean, we, we, won't, we won't stay too far ahead of you. But we'll throw some water out every now and then. Give it a shot. <laughs> Oh, praise the Lord. I ran a little bit when I was in, in, uh, in school and, and nothing like that. I mean, <clears throat> I was never super quick on like on 50 yard dash or anything like that, but I'd run, I think it was uh, the 800 or 880. And, uh, and I can think of all those guys who played varsity football and they were tough, man. They were runners. I think about, you know, Arnie Rogers, my gosh, trying to stay up with him. I mean, he'd run, he'd run like a, uh, uh, a gazelle. And, and and they would just pass me. But I remember my dad had a he had a uh, a record. You know, though y'all know what records are vinyl. I mean, y'all do uh, the vinyl plastic albums. And it was the Lone Ranger, and it had had a little replica bullet down in the corner. I mean, I don't know. That might be worth something today. Yes. But he would play it all the time. And when I would run, that's what I would do. 
And, and when I run, I try to put all of it at the very beginning, but I, I could put all of it to the horn and just go, Phew. Joey would go to like, Phew, like this, you know. Sam would go, so, like me, like I was standing still. But I know something about them. They'd run their 50, 100 yard dash, they <laughs> Well, I, I'm the kid who's, I, I couldn't have a motorcycle. My parents wouldn't let me have one. They said, it's too dangerous, you're not going to do it. So I rode a bike everywhere. If I went there, I hoofed it. So I was always running. I was always riding bikes. I, I, I had calves bigger than my head, I think. But anyway, I, I was pretty strong. I, I was built for endurance. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't the short run. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I, I was never going to win the blue ribbon on the 50 100 yard dash. So next time Arnie got me, I, I said, I'm going to take you today. He, he just laughed. He says, he says, Wes, he says, you'll be eating my dust. And it's true. It's true. But he never finished the 880. Because, I mean, he, he was the fastest kid on the track for the 50 or 100 yard dash, which is fine. That's your race. But when I passed him, he was like, <gasps> and every time in my head, when I got tired, I heard the Lone Ranger. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I felt that new wind. <laughs> huh? Yes. Those of you, 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 you know about that new wind. You think there's nothing left in there. It's not even possible. But, all, but, but something greater than what you know is still reserved on the inside. And I want to finish and tell you this day. There's something that God has reserved that's in you. It's not coming. It's, it's in you. The first of the year, and this is, and this is what, and, and this is my, this is the final door to my sermon where I'm closing. Sometimes sermons have many doors. But, uh, he gave me this the first of the year, and my church knows very well. And, it, and this is what he said to me in January. He says, every good thing that you need or want to manifest your purpose is already on the inside of you. It's merely awaiting your recognition of its, of its existence. Wow. Everything that you need to finish your course, everything that you need to do when you meet Jesus, he says, well done. My, my good and faithful child. It's, it's already on the inside of you. He said, it's merely waiting your recognition of it. Well, I know that, but somehow I forgot it. So it made me go back and begin to focus. Look, now wait, this is on the inside of me. So when I would get to a place that was difficult, that was hard, I would get to that place that I've come here, but I've never got there because it's just too difficult. But, you know, I'm older than I used to be. I'm, I'm this, whatever. I'm uh, all these reasons why you can't. But then I went back to that word. He said, everything that you need to finish your course on. He said, it's on the inside of you, but it's, it's, it's waiting your recognition of it. So I had to go back and, and uh, uh, how do you pronounce Philemon? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, I, I, I watched your service. It was really good. Sometimes I use Philemon Young when I'm really hungry. I call it Philemon Young. <laughs> that the communication of your faith becomes effectual by what? The acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. So when I began to recognize, and I mean really pay attention to what was in me, I stepped into a place that I've never stepped into. I walked into a place that I didn't know that was available. It was, it was brand new senior for me. It, it, it was a new place. And that's not because, well, you say, well, you're a pastor. Believe me, that's got nothing to do with anything. 
It doesn't, it doesn't work anywhere else. I can go to Walmart, I can go to Publix, and they can say, that's $147 a sign pastor. It's just $240. It's just what, I mean, they're like, bless you, still $147. Delta doesn't care either. Well, this is a mission trip. Well, we got a mission too. That'll still be a thousand, right? So it, it, it's time to it, start if you haven't started it. But I think y'all are past start. I'm just encouraging you to stay in the race and finish it. Cast off the depression. Cast off the oppression. Cast off all the negativity. Cast off all the naysayers. Cast off everything. Let go of whatever's stopping you. Let it go. Because this is the new day. This is the day. This is now time. This is God time. What is the value of a month? What is the value of a week? What is the value you know, of a minute? What is the value of a millisecond? The difference sometimes between defeat and victory. I bless you. Those of you who are watching today and those at home at Grace Life Church, I bless all of you. I want to pray something or just or actually say, I don't even have to pray it. I just want to speak to each one of you right now. If you need, if you're watching and you need healing in your body right now, we're going to speak the word of God. We're going to speak the word of God. Not my word, but we're going to speak his word. Psalms 107.20 said that God sent his word and healed them. If you did a little more study on that, you'll find out that it actually goes like this. He sent his word and it, the word, healed them. It, the word, healed him. Jesus attributed the centurion to one of the persons who had the greatest faith that he ever saw and didn't even have a covenant with him. Because he said, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word only. And Jesus says, what? He said, that's the greatest faith I've seen demonstrated so far. Him and the Syrophoenician woman, right? Neither one of them had a covenant with him. Right. But they demonstrated their faith, said, just, just speak the word because your authority far exceeds ours. If you'll just speak the word. Where did the woman with the issue of the blood ever get the idea that she could be healed touching the hem of the garment? Has she read that anywhere? No. Do you know of anyone who just come up with the idea? If you could just touch his, Pastor Buzz, you say it this way, if I could just touch their laundry. <laughs> Remember talking like that? The Arkansas colloquial sayings. If I could just get onto their laundry. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. There, there, there was no presence for that. You, she couldn't go back and say, oh, yeah, there's three people right here. They, you know. No, somehow she, she heard that the healer was there. She spent all that she had. She was nothing better. She grew worse and worse and worse. She said, but if I can get to him, and she said, and not even him, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She said, I, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe I'd be healed. You, you know that story well. She, she got, she, she pressed on. She had to finish what she said. And she pressed for it. She had to go through the crowd. She's not supposed to be there legally. She pressed in and she got everything that she needed. And she was healed and delivered and set free. And it got the, it, it, it got the, uh, it got the attention of Jesus himself. It, it caused him to stop and say, who touched me? And the disciple says, what? Who touched you? Look at the people around you. Look at all these people around you. And they're, they're touching you. They're thronging you. Everyone's around you. He says, no, not this kind of touch I'm talking about. And he looked around and the woman said, fearing in herself, she come and she told him the whole story. And he said, woman, your, your faith has healed you. 
Jesus will meet your faith wherever it's at. The centurion said, you don't need to come. Just speak the word. He said, okay, I'll do that. Jairus, he was talking about this morning. He said, I believe if you'll come to my house, my dog will be healed. He said, okay, I'll do that. He met them wherever their faith was. Notice the power of God in him didn't stop and, and size up this woman with the issue of blood and say, you know, you're breaking the law to be here. You ain't supposed to be here with that kind of blood disease, so we can't heal you. Notice the power of God's mechanical. That if you touch it, anyone who touches it, and faith was the currency that drew, or faith was the conductor that drew that, drew that out. So I, I, I'm sending that word to you today. Those of you who are here, if you need healing your body anywhere, it's right now. This is your time. This is your day. This is your day to be totally free from that in the name of Jesus. So I declare for the top of your head, those of you here, those of you at Grace Life Church, those of you watching, those who hear this in audio in over 30 countries, I, I decree right now in the name of Jesus, on top of your head, the soles of your feet, that you are healed. I send forth his word and it the word heals you. The anointing destroys every yoke, breaks every burden. Satan, you are canceled from your assignment. You release them and let them go right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare you whole, healed, and strong in Jesus' mighty name. Can anybody say amen? amen. Let's give him a shout. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, thank y'all for letting me and my wife come preach the two sermons to y'all. Amen. It's, it, it's not good to let out church too early. And here's why. Because the people who's making that chicken, they're still tired from last night. <laughs> that first batch ain't the best. It's the second batch. Yeah, yeah they, let, them get, let them get the bugs out of that first place. Hallelujah. <laughs> let the Baptist have all that. Lord yeah. oh, to God. I like my chicken to go down in that grease and be baptized. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it comes up resurrected. Hallelujah. <laughs> When you get to heaven, that's going to be, you know, when you have a corn, it's not going to be that long. It's going to be from here to eternity. It's going to be like a beaver, like a, how, how much, how much corn could a wood touch up? We're not going to have strawberry shortcake. We're going to have strawberry long cake. Hallelujah. Glory to God with a lot of strawberries in the juice. Someone said, what about the carbs? No, that's a sin. There is no carbs in heaven. There's no one sick in heaven. Hallelujah. Man, heaven's going to be a great place. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. We're, we're about to go there. You know why? The king is coming.